Our Bible study tonight is going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And uh, we're going to read one verse this evening. And uh, our message tonight is, is uh, not a new message in that it's not anything we, we haven't heard in different capacities before. But it's a message that's good for us to hear again. And again, and again, and again, and again. Because it calls us to the reality of what God is doing in our hearts and lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 1 is our text. I invite you when you found it, stand with me if you can out of respect for the reading of God's word. And since it is just one verse, uh, we will read it in unison together. Here the Bible says, Having therefore these promises... Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's the title of the message. That's what we're talking about tonight. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Father, I pray that uh, as we take a few moments tonight and look into your word, God, I pray that you would calm our hearts, that you would open our hearts. Make our hearts ready and receptive to to all that you have for us. And Lord, I pray that uh, truly as we have been together tonight and prayed together tonight and now have come to your word together tonight, that truly we would leave together more like Christ. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Church, aren't you glad? Preach with me a little bit tonight. Aren't you glad that when you get saved, Jesus changes everything? You know, when Jesus moves in, everything changes. It baffles me, and I'm already getting off the topic, but it baffles me that that people can say Jesus moves in and nothing changes. I had a baby move in a couple of months ago, and everything changed. (laughs) Might I submit tonight, Jesus is just a little more impactful of a presence than a baby. And so when Jesus moves in, everything changes. He changes our ambitions. He changes our appetites. He changes our attitude. He changes our actions. Why? Because in Christ, we are a new creature. In Christ, we are washed. In Christ, we are adopted. In Christ, we are sealed into the day of redemption. And all of these point to the change that God has made in our life, especially in regard to our position before him. New creature, washed, adopted, sealed. Theologically, we call this positional sanctification. In other words, it's saying that when we get saved, when I get saved, I possess the righteousness of Christ. And that I am righteous before God. He took my unrighteousness and I took his righteousness. And so positionally in Christ, I am righteous before God. And boy, what a blessing to know that when we get saved, Jesus forever changes our eternal destination. We were headed to hell, but God stepped in and because of Jesus Christ, we can go to heaven. What a blessing to know that when we get saved, Jesus forever changes our eternal destination. Now think about heaven. When we get to heaven, what a glorious thought. We shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. One day, church, 
There will be no more sin. There will be no more shame. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more guilt. All of the former things will forever be passed away. One day, praise God, we will be forever saved from even the presence of sin. We call this perfect sanctification. Now, what Paul is teaching here in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 1 is something that happens between our positional sanctification. When I get saved, I receive Christ's righteousness and my perfect sanctification. When I get to heaven, I will be perfectly righteous, saved from the presence of sin. And Paul is teaching that from this point to this point, from positional sanctification to perfect sanctification, we should be experiencing something called progressive sanctification every day. In other words, I ought to be growing more like Jesus each day. When the Bible says here that we ought to be perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That word perfecting means to be bringing to an end, to be working to accomplish, to develop, to cultivate, to mature. And so this idea of progressive sanctification means that you and I should be cultivating and maturing holiness before God. Now you say, well, preacher, what is holiness? Well, holiness is being set apart. Holiness is sacredness. Holiness is godly moral purity. In other words, every day I ought to be growing more like Jesus. In all facets of my life, I want to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. And I want to be more like Jesus tomorrow than I am today. That's, that's what holiness is. It's being like Jesus. By the way, church, God still calls us to be like him. Sometimes we get the wrong idea. Well, to be holy, I must be stuffy. And I have to wear all of my collars high. And I have to hold my cups like this. And talk in a funny voice. And have to use the right utensils. And holiness doesn't mean some stuck up, never. It means just, it means we're like Jesus. And guess what? God still calls us to be like Jesus, to grow to be more like him every day. God calls us, his people, to be holy. Let me give you a couple of verses. First Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. Peter wrote this, but as he which hath called you is holy, look what it says, so be ye, we can do better than that, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Verse 16 Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. That's what the Lord said. Look at James chapter 4 and verse number 8. We're told to do what? Draw nigh to God. Now that makes sense if holiness is to be like who? Holiness is to be like Jesus, right? The Lord. So draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We're to be holy. 
1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust which war against your souls. Be like Jesus. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Salvation is wonderful, but what does it do? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, that's seriously minded. We should live, what's that next word? Righteously, and we should live godly when in this present world. Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? What's the answer? Verse number 4. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity or sworn deceitfully. I'm going to tell you in a world that, that wants, to, wants you to think that you can live however you want and it's just all fine and dandy. Christian, God still calls us to be like Jesus. God still calls us to follow him. God still calls us to say no to our flesh and yes to the spirit every day. You know, if we look at the world around us, even at the larger church around us, let's be honest. The people have gotten really good at a lot of things, but sadly not holiness. You know, the church has gotten a lot better at music than it was years ago. The church has gotten a lot better at design. I mean, we got every church out there. I mean, they they got that design guy that does all them fancy things. We've gotten better at sports. We've gotten better at money and hobbies and stuffs and politics. But sadly, in many cases, also gotten better at sin. It seems like the people of God have gotten good just about, just about everything but holiness. But church, this is not why God has saved us. And this is not why he has called us out from the world and together as a church. God saved us to set us apart. That we would be marked off from the world. That we be holy. That we be like him. That we reflect him to this world. And we be strengthened by him in the process. And so tonight I want to take a few moments from this one verse. and, and under, For us to understand what it means. That God calls all of us who know the Lord. To do this thing of perfecting holiness. In the fear of God. Let's look at the verse together again. The Bible says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Notice with me first, having therefore these promises. Now, Bible study 101. Whenever we see the word therefore... Or wherefore, what do we need to do? We need to go back. Because we need to go back to see what the therefore is therefore, right? So he is saying therefore based off of what he just told us at the end of chapter 6. So our key context for this study, (coughs) excuse me, is found at the end of chapter 6. So let's look at chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. Look at what the Lord has to say here. He tells the church at Corinth, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Look at this promise in verse 18. And will be a father unto you, 
and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So you know what sets the stage for this thing of perfecting holiness? Number one, if you're taking notes, we need to remember that we are a claimed person. We need to remember that we are a claimed person. God promises that when we come to him, that he will receive us. And he receives us into the most intimate of relationships. That of he is our father. And we are his sons and daughters. Romans 8, beginning in verse 14, Paul delineates this. He says, for as many as are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. Look what it says in verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, we are, when we are adopted into the family of God, we no longer have that spirit of fear and guilt and shame and dread. No, we can come into God's presence because we are his child. What an awesome heavenly father we have. He takes the responsibility to provide the resources necessary for us. What an awesome God we have. Psalm 84, beginning in verse 11. For this Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Read that rest of it with me. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Hey, what a good God we serve. Amen? Verse 12. O Lord of hosts... Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. You know, it's a good thing for us to do to brag on God. You know, by and large, kids naturally brag on their fathers. I've had more than one kid come up to me and he would say, hey. And I'd say, hey. He'd say, my dad can beat you in basketball. (laughs) I had one group of kids come up to me one time and he said, hey. And I said, hey, how you doing? He goes, my dad could beat you up. And I knew his dad, and it was true. I said, you're exactly right, my friend. I would not tango with that man. So uh, you got to know. You got to know, right, guys? I mean, at the end of the day. But isn't it natural for for kids to want to brag on their daddy? I'm going to tell you, it's good for us just to brag on our Heavenly Father. Christian, know who you are. You're not some beggar. You're not some person that doesn't belong, some homeless person. You are a child of the king. You bear his name, and you have his resources at your disposal. Know who you are. Remember whose family you belong to. What a privilege it is. And I love what Paul says, having therefore these promises. What glorious promises come with the fact that God is our Father. And I praise God that all the promises we enjoy, they are based on the premise that we have been claimed as a part of God's family. I'm his son. You may be his daughter. We're we're not just a member of an institution. We've not just been allowed into a fraternity of sorts. We are a family family and we belong we belong I'm going to tell you Christian know who you are it'll change everything know know to what family you belong to it'll change everything but 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 
Boy, when you really start to realize whose child you are, you know what it will start to do? Change the way you behave. It will change the way you think. And when it changes the way you think, it will change the way you behave. You know, there's just something about the fact that Father sets the tone. I can remember growing up, the thing that I hated to wear more than anything else was a belt. An odd thing to hate for a little boy with no waist, but I didn't want to wear a belt. I can remember some of my early childhood memories fighting with my father over why I had to wear a belt to school today. Johnny doesn't have to wear a belt. Timmy's dad doesn't make him, he doesn't wear a belt to school. Jimmy doesn't wear a belt. My daddy would always say the same thing. I'm not Jimmy's father. If I was, Jimmy would wear a belt to school. I'm going to tell you what a blessed thing it is that God is our Father, that He'll never leave us or forsake us, that He will meet our need no matter how deep that need is. But I'm going to tell you, when you get that settled in your heart, it'll change the way you think. And when it changes the way you think, you realize Daddy sets the tone, and it'll change the way you behave. How many of us can praise God tonight that He loved you right where you were but that he loved you too much to leave you there. Here's the thing. If you're a child of God tonight, he's going to work with you. I mean, I was home on vacation, and my daddy was like, get your feet off, Macau. Yes, sir. I mean, our father's work is never done. Amen? Our heavenly father's work is not done with us yet. If you are his child, he will work with you. He will work on you. And you're going to feel that struggle. Because I don't like it. I don't like it when the Holy Spirit of God meddles with my life. But that's the problem. It's not my life. It's his. I am a claimed person. So I want to encourage you tonight. You feel God working on you. Don't fight him. He loves you. And he is working for your good. And remembering that you are a claimed, remember that you are a claimed person. Because here's what happened. Growing in holiness is halted when you forget who your father is. We need to get our eyes off of the devil's kids and get our eyes back on our father. So how do we do this thing? Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Roman numeral one, we need to remember what? That we are a claimed person. God is going to work on you. And work with you and don't resist. Lean into it. You're a claimed person. That's not all Paul says here about perfecting holiness. He says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved. What does the next part say? Let us do what? Let us, next two words, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. So not only do we need to remember that we are a claimed person, Let's think of growing to be like Jesus. Yes, remember you're a claimed person. But we also have to remember that it requires a cleansing process. It requires a cleansing process. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves 
from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. And so we see here, Paul commands us to cleanse ourselves. John does too, 1 John 3, 3. John says, every man that hath this hope, that hope that Jesus is coming again, what does he do? He purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And so we're commanded to cleanse ourselves. Because why? As we've talked about, God our Father works in our lives. So, from time to time we're going to find that there's some things that we need to address. Paul here says that we need to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Filthiness means to be soiled or to be defiled. And I think there's an important distinction to be made here. As we talked about at the beginning of the message, positionally we are clean. Positionally we are clean in Christ. When he saves us, he washes us white as snow. Revelation 1 and verse number 5 reminds us, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Amen? Amen. The reality is the same blood that cleanses us positionally has the power to cleanse us practically every day. And that power has been made available to us. But the application of that is not God's job, but yours. We are told to cleanse ourselves. So what do we do? We take the blood of Jesus. We take the washing of the water of the word of God. And we seek to be clean before God. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says here, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ephesians chapter 5 reminds us this, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, what, with the washing of water by the word. Psalm 119 reminds us, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse thy way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Christian, I want to encourage you with this. It's not weakness to admit that you have issues. It is not weakness to admit that you struggle with sin. As 1 John 1 reminds us, it's a problem if you don't because you're deceiving yourself. I don't worry about the people who realize they need to do business with God on a regular basis. I don't worry about the people whose whose hearts are tender to the preaching of God's word. Honestly, I worry about those people who never seem to be moved. That was a pretty good one today, preach. We'll see you next time. It's not weakness to admit that we have issues. It's not weakness to admit that we deal with sin. The problem comes when we don't see it or we intentionally harbor it. Because harboring sin is an extreme condition. It demands an extreme cure. Christian, it is your job to take your sin seriously. It is your job... Take your sin, not your husband's sin, not your kid's sin, not, not, not the person across the pew from you sin. It is your job to take your sin seriously. And we are called by God. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul does a great job in this in many of his epistles to a putting off of sin and a putting on of godliness. Romans chapter 13 and verse number 12, we see Paul say, the, day, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore do what? Cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. We see verses like this in a number of epistles. Ephesians 4 and verse 22. See the same thing. A putting off and we have... In, 
verses to follow, a putting on. Colossians 3, 8, and 9, the same thing. Some things that we need to put off. Some things that are vestiges of the old man. They're dirty. They're filthy. They're ugly. So we need to put them off. And then in turn, some things that we need to put on in verse number 9, I believe. <clears throat> but we see those uh, that, that throughout. We are called to a putting off of sin and a putting on to godliness. And we are called to be intentional in our cleansing. Paul mentions two, two areas here. That we cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. And so filthiness of the flesh deals with our actions. This references things done by the body. In other words, we need to recognize our sin and stop doing it. Sins of speech, whether it's corrupt communication, garbage talk, whether it's a criticism, murmuring, whether it's gossip or talking about tearing down other, other people, sins of immodesty or immorality, sins of violence, stealing, drunkenness, ungodly entertainment. It could go on and on and on and on. But when God convicts you of filthiness of the flesh, outward action, recognize your sin as sin and stop. Agree with God, get forgiveness, and stop. Filthiness of the flesh. Cleanse yourselves. But we're also called to cleanse ourselves from filthiness of the spirit. That deals with our attitudes. This refers to inward sins, ones that nobody sees but God. Covetousness. If that's not the American way. Lust. We could go on. The filthiness of the spirit deals with our attitudes. Christian, I remind us tonight that the inside matters just as much as the outside and probably more. The Lord had this to say in 1 Samuel 16 in verse number 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, this was when Samuel was looking at David's brothers, looking for the next king of Israel. The Lord said, look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. Look what the Lord said. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on what? The outward appearance. But the Lord looketh on the heart. I think an example of this in our Bible in the New Testament is the Pharisees. On the outside, boy, they were, they were shiny, shiny religious people. I mean, when the Pharisees walked by, most of the common uh, Jewish people, whoa, there goes the religious leaders of our nation. Whoa, if only I could be as close to God as them. Whoa, they know all the Bible. I mean, they had this stuff memorized. They had it written all over their clothes and <coughs> all sorts of crazy stuff they did. I mean, it was nuts. Study it sometime, you'll be amazed. Uh, it was nuts. But, <coughs> excuse me. But Jesus had this to say about the Pharisees in Luke 11 and verse number 39. And the Lord said unto him, Now do you Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. Boy, sometimes we have to be careful because we're quick to decry what everyone else can see. And we're silent on matters of the heart. We're quick to decry those who would steal and loot and, and, and what's going on in our cities and everybody's robbing everybody and this and this and this. And yet on the inside, our heart is covetous. We look at brother so-and-so's car or sister so-and-so's house or such-and-such's family or maybe it's even something as dumb as their iPhone. Can I tell you what's going on in here is just as bad as what's going on out there. 
or here's one. Boy, all this violence taking place. I mean, we have these senseless acts of violence, people just walking up and murdering each other, and, 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 and it's just awful. And I mean, it is awful. You watch it, oh, it's just so awful. And we decry that, and rightfully so, but on the inside, man, you're holding on to that bitterness and unforgiveness, and you won't let go. And you hate that person. Well, boy, I think Jesus had something to say about hate and murder. And You see, it's easy to decry what we can see and keep silent about what people can't. But this thing of perfecting holiness, it's cleaning ourselves outside and in. And Christian, this thing of cleansing ourselves, you know what it means? It means we need to quit looking down and around at everybody else and simply start to look down into your own heart to deal with your own issues. And I think a beautiful thing to do is to ask God to search you and show you. Remember, who is he? He is our what? He is our, we covered it in the last point. He is our, okay, yes. He is our, louder, with more conviction. He is our, he is our, Father, come on, church. He is our Father. father. If, if you don't work with me, I don't think you're not getting it. We're just going to keep going. So Charles is back there doing the training, and you know he could go all night. So uh, I'm in no rush to get out. He's our Father. Now, here's the thing. If one of my kiddos came to me and said, Daddy, I got a problem, you know what the heart of the Father wants to do? Help. To help fix it, to support, to strengthen, to counsel, to guide. You know, the thing is, when, when we say, God, Psalm, Psalm, 1, uh, let me grab, Psalm 139, David prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me, and know my thoughts. Verse 24, he said, see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Sometimes, sometimes we know things in our heart and in our mind and in our lives are just not right, but we, we can't exactly put our finger on it. And we don't know why. Can I tell you, what a wonderful time just to cry out to God and say, God, help me. And maybe it's a sin that God will put his finger on. And you know what we do? We confess it and we forsake it and we turn to God and he forgives us. And he restores us. Sometimes maybe it's not a sin. Maybe it's a weakness. Maybe it's a struggle. Maybe it's a temptation that we're fighting. Maybe it's just a stage of life and it's a heavy burden. We're discouraged or depressed or whatever it may be. And we cry out to God. And God gives us wisdom and direction. Maybe God connects us with another Christian man or Christian woman. Maybe God connects us more deeply with the church. What what a beautiful time for the community of Christ to come together and support one another when we need it. But that's the thing. God's our Father. And when we're in need and we cry out to Him, He's always going to give us what we need. (coughs) This thing of perfecting holiness. (coughs) Excuse my cough. (coughs) Oh, I got all that scarring in my lungs from the cancer and the chemo. And so ah, sometimes when I get it, it takes me a little while to try to shake it loose. But uh, <clears throat> perfecting holiness and the fear of God. I should have calmed down tonight, shouldn't I? Have? 
going to take a couple of things. Paul points out, first of all, that we need to remember what? That we are a what? Number one, we are a claimed person. Number two, that it requires a what? Cleansing process. But I want you to see how the verse ends. (coughs) Paul said, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness. What are those last five words, church? In the fear of God. It requires, thirdly, a continuing progress. You see, the thing about perfecting holiness is it's not a one-time thing. Perfecting, perfected holiness is not somewhere you arrive this side of heaven. That's where we arrive when we get to heaven. Perfecting holiness is something that we are called to do every day, that we are blessed to live Excuse me, and follow Christ on this earth. The reality is, we will all continue to struggle until we reach glory. None of us will be like Jesus until we see him. So don't get discouraged because we're not in this in heaven, okay? This isn't heaven, we're not there yet. So we need to continue to perfect holiness, to grow, to mature, to cultivate Christ's likeness in our life every day. But if we're going to do the right thing, and we're going to do it all the way, well, the right thing has got to be done the right way, because that's the only way you're going to be able to keep going. So Paul here tells us how it is that we perfect holiness. We perfect, cultivate, grow holiness only in the fear of Almighty God. Proverbs 9 and verse number 10 tells us this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs 14 and verse 26, in the fear of the Lord, (coughs) excuse me, in the fear of the Lord is what, church? Is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. That's the fear of the Lord, church. Strong confidence in a place of refuge. (coughs) So what is the fear of the Lord then? The fear of the Lord begins with a high respect or what we might normally call fear. Take my kids, for example. My kids often do right, not because they are mature beyond their years, but because they fear their mother. Yeah. Watch me sometime. Not too much, because you know in church you need to be focused on the Lord. But sometimes all it takes is a look from this seat to that seat. And the whole thing changes. Just a little bit of eye contact goes a whole long way. Amen. Amen. By the way, you ought to have a high respect and a healthy fear of God. Well, I don't think that's, I, I don't like that preacher. The Bible, yes, the Bible does say that. Jesus said in Matthew 10 and verse 28, And fear not them which kill the body. Don't be fearful of the murderer, because they're not able to kill the soul. But rather, fear him that is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So, yes, Jesus does say, In in the most elementary way, we ought to recognize who God is 
And I tell you, who God is, boy, it ought to mean something. Hebrews still says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hand of the living God. But you know, that may be where we start. But we ought to grow and progress. Grow and progress from what we might call fear and trembling to awe and respect. Well, I talked about my relationship with my kiddos. I'll talk about my relationship with my daddy. The reality is, my daddy is too far away from me physically to hurt me, at least in the immediate context. The reality is, at this stage in our lives, as long as I was able to keep a certain distance between us, I could probably outrun him. And he could not hurt me, at least in the immediate sense. Now, my daddy, he knows a lot of tricks of the trade, and he has a taser, so (laughs) I I might not get as far as I think. Um, But, you know, he does have a gun. He's a police officer, so uh, he's got all those toys. Um, But the reality is, when I think of my relationship with my father... And my behavior, I don't seek to behave a certain way because I'm fearful he's going to come up here and tase me. My heart at this point is to do what I do because I don't want to hurt him. Because I love him. And I want to honor him. You know, what a beautiful thought for us and our Heavenly Father. You know, as we consider perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord, yes, sometimes it it is simply that God said don't, and that ought to mean something. But as we grow, the reality is, you know, the more amazed I am with God, the more appalled I will be by my sin. The more I love God, the more I will hate sin. The more I want God, the more I will reject sin. The closer I am to God the Father, the farther I will be from sin. By the way, you can't do one without the other. You can't draw close to God and stay in sin. That's just not how it works. And I think the beautiful key for us tonight is that God has not just saved us from sin. He has saved us to himself. What a necessary truth for us to understand, to perfect the holiness he desires for us. Something we can grow, cultivate, progress, mature more in each day. I want to be more in love with God today than I was yesterday. I want to be closer to God today than I was yesterday. I want more of God's grace today than I had yesterday I want to know more of his love today than I did the day before. The reality is I don't know of any Christian who can't benefit from this verse. Can we read it in unison again together? 2 Corinthians 7 and verse number 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We are a claimed person, called to a 
cleansing process and to engage in a continuing progress. In church, we ought to give diligence to practice and progress in what matters most. We all have good intentions to progress in some areas. Let me ask you, does holiness make your list? Are you more in love with Jesus today than you were yesterday? Are you more like Jesus today than the day before? However you answered that question, I got good news. The day's not done. And every one of us have a chance in these moments to come to God's throne of grace, to find that which we need, to cleanse ourselves and draw nigh to God. Because Christian, you can never go wrong perfecting holiness in the fear of God.